Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 265, recorded at Big Dog Studio in Eugene, Oregon. This show is made possible by The Practical Herbalist. For practical info on plants you love, visit The Practical Herbalist at thepracticalherbalist.com. Sacred Blossom Farm. We use small-scale farming and artisan care to create functional, delicious, and beautiful teas. Learn more at sacredblossomfarm.com. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Radio. You know, it is so funny. I do the intro, and then it's like, I, I all my air is gone, and then I can't say my name. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> so, yeah, if you're ever listening to, to our podcast, you'll, you'll hear Candace will say hers, and I'll say mine, but then I'll be like, <sighs> really light. It's never really there. And in an herbalism kind of lose. <laughs> so next time you'll notice it and you're like, hey, he's right. He messes his own name up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than messing up someone else's name. That's true. That's true. Well, KP Kalsa is not a name that's too easy to mess up. It's no, easy. Four no. syllables, boom. No. Done. That's true. That's true. And talking with him was a delight, wasn't it? I like uh, him a lot. I mean, you, obviously, you know that um, if you're in the herb world, KP Kalsa is right on there with um, Rosemary Gladstar, um, you know, all of the greats, if you will, yeah. you know, the greatest hits, if you will. And, you know, he's been so influential in creating modern herbalism that it was a really great um, opportunity to get someone like him, you know, on the podcast and talk to him and, you know, just sit back and let him speak. Cause oh, yeah. you know, he just, he's done this so many times uh, and he's just a warm, warm person and, you know, forthright, answer your questions, doesn't hide behind anything, just mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And he's so knowledgeable. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's impressive to me how he has, He's mastered so many modalities, and it, it all came from just practicality, you know. Right. He just, okay, I got to learn this now. To understand it better, I got to learn that now, okay? Okay, okay, I'm going to try this and, and learn that. And, I mean, which is so knowledge base is which, just. Well, which is so interesting, too, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was an all-American kid. You know, yeah. grew up in the. In the 50s, 60s, and, you know, like he said, he, you know, did bologna sandwiches and did the thing, you Kool-Aid, all the stuff that kids do at the time. And then being diagnosed with a very uh, rare degenerative. And, de and, and debilitating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And being told at 10 that, yeah, you, you're not going to make 40. Right. Oh, God. That can mess up with a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That, that can really, yeah. That's a, that's a mind scramble. Yeah. Uh, you know, he went on living and yeah. didn't change yeah. much until, you know, his early, what, early, early twenties when he, late teens, early twenties. When 20s, he really, yeah. when he discovered, you know, yoga and that, mm -hmm. that gave him something that was a relief that wasn't, the painkiller that wasn't yeah. the other thing, you know, which got me to start thinking about sometimes we don't look at alternatives until the 
if you will, the trusted, tried and true path tells us we can't help you. There's no um, pot of gold at this rainbow. There's no great view at the end of this road. Right. Yeah. It's, you, there's nothing we can do for you. And until you face that reality, you're not oftentimes not willing to explore other modalities like yoga, like herbalism, like, yeah. you know, changing your diet, whatever it is, because you have this belief that the system or whatever is set in place is going to help you. And to be fair, then, and I'm talking about you know, Western medicine, there seems like they'll never admit that there's not a course of action that they can't take. Yeah, I, I think modern medicine is crippled by, I'm not going to say the insurance industry because it isn't entirely just the insurance industry's fault, but the insurance industry arose because of litigations against, you know, medical practitioners, some of which may have been totally legit, but some of which are, I think, a stretch at best. And it, we've reached a point where I think many medical personnel can't give you a straight answer. I mean, I know since I was quite young when I would ask the doctor, do I weigh too much? You know, I'm, I'm standing there. They can see I'm, I'm like, I'm mostly naked. You can see how much fat there is or isn't on my body. You've done the Bosmati BMI index calculations and you've, you've looked at the numbers and you see how tall I am and you know how old I am and we've gone through all this stuff. And their answer is, well, how do you feel? Well, great. That's sort of a good answer because the truth is too fat really is about how you feel. And if you're not feeling comfortable in your body and it is due to excess weight, that that could mean that, yeah, you probably would like feel better if you didn't have that weight on you. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you, you can also be a very large, rotund person and feel great in your body, in which case if you're not too fat, you're fine. I totally get that. But you can't get a straight answer, even if you just pare it down and say this isn't even, it's just purely about heart health. Or, you know, even pare mm-hmm. it that, you can't get a straight answer out of them. And I think the reason is because they don't want to get sued. You know, they, they can't give you an honest answer because you might quote them and that could end up being coming a, a lawsuit for them. And that's, Possibly. that's, to me, that seems shameful that we've reached a point where that kind of, you can't just get a straight answer out of your practitioner. You know, in theory, you know, I mean, I've done this with doctors when I was younger, when I was trying to find that answer for myself, because I really didn't know, I didn't know how to look at it. And, and I was asking, you know, in one case, a doctor that I had been working with at that point for six or seven years and had, you know, that, that person had been, you know, we'd been, I'd been seeing the doctor regularly for regular appointments. And when something went wrong, I went in to see that particular doctor and we had a relationship and, or at least I, you know, I felt we did as a doctor patient mm-hmm. relationship appropriate. And I still couldn't get a straight answer. And it left me not knowing what to do. Do I have to worry about exercising and losing weight or don't I? I don't know what to do. And, you know, I think that that's, 
like that's like a super mini lightweight version of it. I think when you start looking at people who are facing much bigger issues, I mean, whether or not I had too much fat on my body when I was 22 years old or however old I was at the time is pretty minimal. It's really honestly a very lightweight concern. There are people who are struggling with things like, you know, chronic digestive problems, like heartburn that they get all the time. And they know it's not a heart disease thing. And the doctors tried a thousand different things. And still there's no answer to what's causing it or how to stop it. And instead of saying, we can't help you, maybe see somebody else, you know, they keep trying other things, which can become more and more damaging to the body. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's frustrating. And I don't think it's because a doctor wants to do that. I mean, it's, they're practicing. You know, that, that's what medicine is. It's a practice, right? Well, yeah. And I think they're trying. for a lot of people too, it's um, difficult to pay for healthcare and looking at other modalities like yoga, massage, treatment, uh, chiropractic, um, acupuncture, you know, those are typically, you know, lucky us, we live in a state that that, that is covered. Right. But a lot of places, but a lot of places it's, not. it's not. And, um, so there you go. You, you, you have to out of pocket. And for a lot of people, that's just too, too much. I have had, cause there've been times where we have not had insurance or the insurance we had wouldn't have covered it anyway. Right. And um, for me, because of the you know injuries that I've had when I was much younger, chiropractic and yoga and acupuncture, those are just an of course, and I will pay for them out of pocket. And honestly, if I have to choose between paying for health insurance or paying for those modalities I know will help me, I'll I'll choose the acupuncture and the yoga and the chiropractic every single day of the week, and I will issue the health insurance premiums because I don't feel that it's worth my time and energy to fight with a health insurance company to get the treatment that I know will work. And, no, I and if I, and I've got a limited budget, well, you know? I, get it. I mean, if I could do it all, ah, sure. I'll just do well, it. And I don't, I don't, you know, obviously I don't want to be, um, you know, saying that, you know, allopathic medicine is not important. It oh, absolutely it is. is. I break my arm. I have a heart attack. Uh, oh, yeah. Whatever. Straight I'm in a car doctor. wreck. Proper doctor. Are you kidding me? Uh, yoga Straight. is not going to help me at that point. No. Acupuncture will not, not be help helpful. Not help me. I mean, you're not going to punch her. Acupuncture a wound. No. I get it. <laughs> no. So there are, I'm not saying that, yeah. you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm against. What I am guess I'm saying is that ultimately I think the patient or the person needs to take responsibility and to yeah. listen to the cues. I mean- Having been in a family that has a lot of medical stuff, you can start to hear the code words that are being said. Yeah. You know, well, maybe this will work. We can talk to another person. We can get a second opinion. We can do this. This might help. Yeah. Those, those are all words. code words for they don't know. You could risk it and take the chance, but the results are not guaranteed. Yeah. They Or they could say, our treatment right now isn't working the way that we had hoped. You may want to look at some alternative ideas. Yeah. That would be really nice if if there was, yeah. And this is my experience. I'm not saying that every doctor or nurse no. or whoever is like this. I mean, there may be a no. bunch out there that, that massively recommend 
you know, therapeutic massage or acupuncture. It's just, this is my experience. So that's what I'm going to talk from. It's just yeah. me. Because I'm sure someone could tell me, well, my doctor did that. And my doctor, I'm saying, you're great. Good doctor. Awesome. Yeah, stick with them. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I also, like say, have had experiences um, in my family that, you know, it's, it's always the next expert. It's always the next treatment. It's always the next surgery. It's always the next thing. And that'll be the fix. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, you know, if we go back to a few of the podcasts before, we've talked about you know, just being able to take control of your diet. I mean, in KP Calls' case, it's exactly what he did. Is one of the yeah. things that he did was rethink his diet. And, yeah. you know, he was talking about tofu and, you know, chewing the night, mm -hmm. all, those, all the junk food and stuff to get his body running as well as it could and then seeking all these other treatments. I mean, I think people, I'm, you know, look, I'm guilty of it too. You go in for the doctor for a problem and you get this treatment and when you're done, you go right back out and do the things you were doing that got you in there. <laughs> yeah. That sent you in the first, yeah. You, you know. Um, repeat the pattern. Yeah. We just repeat the pattern because, well, they can fix me. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, you know. I probably have too many saturated fats. I probably don't need that much sugar. I, you know, these are things that I don't need those nitrates. I love my sausage, but I guess I don't need that. Or I love my pepperoni pizza, but that's out now. Yeah. You know, because of these other reasons, you know, because the nitrates are not good for me or, or whatever. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, my own personal experience is that yoga has made loads of difference in my life. And I'm at a point where before, yoga, I was sore a lot of the time. And it was the kind of achy sore that sometimes would be really bad and I couldn't <clears> do things, but mostly I just dealt with it. And doctors weren't really able to help with that because honestly, it's a structural thing. So I would go see chiropractors and I went into massage therapy and, and I was doing a lot of that. I mean, couple times a week at, at that point, sometimes yeah. as much as three times a week. And I was paying for all of that out of pocket back then because we didn't have health insurance at the time. And, and it was making a positive difference in my life. And then I found a really good yoga practitioner who he's made, he's helped me become more flexible than I was when I was like 10 years old. So because of working with him, I've had radical change in how my body handles things. And yeah, sometimes I do stupid things like, you know, last March I was doing some printing with some stamps and I somehow let three and a half hours of printing happen. I didn't even, I didn't move. I just was doing it and I was having fun and it was great. And then I just sort of like looked around and realized three and a half hours were gone and said, gee, my back shouldn't feel like that. This isn't good. And, you know, it took me a couple of weeks to right the wrongs I did in those three and a half hours. But, you know, I won't do that again for quite a while. Yeah, tell me <laughs> about know? it. I mean, I remember those two weeks. Jeez, you were in yeah. pain every day for that three and a half hours of quote unquote joy. You right. spent two weeks in pain. Right. But compared to what I used to live with all the time, it was actually like I did. I was it hurt and that sucked. That was no fun. I went to see the chiropractor that helped a lot. I did yoga, you know, I did it, did it at a, I did, it was careful about what I did, but I did my yoga every day, even when all I could do was just maybe one downward dog. But I mean, I just kept doing it 
And then I saw the chiropractor again, and then, you know, saw the acupuncturist. I went in for the massage therapy toward the end of it. I mean, I did all the things that I know how to do. And the result was far less time spent going to see practitioners than what I used to have to do just for regular, regular pain, in part because yoga has taught me so much about how to take care of my body better and what to do when things aren't quite right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think for people out there, I, I guess, you know, make your choices and do the best you can. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to try something different if the road that you're on or the path that you're on isn't working. Um, and it's okay to take a break from, like, if you've been working with Western medicine for whatever your condition is, and, you know, maybe the cure is actually a little more painful than the actual condition, or maybe the best you've been able to do is hold steady. You're not getting worse, but you're not getting better either. It's okay to look at bringing other modalities in and giving those a try too. You know, mm -hmm. definitely you want your team to work together. You want your doctors and your, let's say, acupuncturist. You want them to be able to work together, to be able to speak to one another if need be. And there's, you know, you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with, you know, asking your your physician to say, I'm thinking about yes. doing some yoga yes. treatment or acupuncture. And, you know, if there's nothing that will be um, countering the therapy you're getting, they should be able to tell you that. Yes, I think that transparency is important. Working with an herbalist, for instance, you know, if you're going to work with an herbalist, make sure they are very clear on every single other medication you're taking. Oh, yeah. Including the amounts that you're taking and make sure that your doctors, physicians, whoever it is that's managing those medicines for you is also aware of the herbs in, in the herbalist. If you can allow the herbalist to speak to your medical practitioners or sign whatever papers are needed to allow them to communicate, that's very helpful because a lot of medical people haven't been trained in what the herbs do or don't do, but a lot of really good herbalists do understand the, the chemistry of what the herbs are doing and how they're acting in the body. And while they may not understand what the pharmaceutical is or isn't doing, which the doctor needs to understand, the herbalist should be able to say to the doctor, well, you know, this is going to cause the liver, this one helps the liver process these types of chemicals faster mm -hmm. or not as fast or whatever. Right. And between the two of them, they'll be able to determine whether or not the herbs that you want to take will go well with the pharmaceuticals or whether adjustments need to may be made on either side for levels so right. that you're doing this in a way that's going to be most effective for you. Are you looking for custom apparel for your office, your team, or your group? AceHighGraphics.com can help you. They can help you design your apparel and get you the best price on it. They will also give you um, a great quote so you'll know exactly what you're going to pay for. Visit them at AceHighGraphics.com. So yeah, one of the things that I really appreciate about KP Kalsa is the fact that he's got so many... Um, modalities that he understands. I mean, he understands the science. He understands the energetics from Ayurvedic perspective. He understands them from traditional Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine perspective and from, you know, European herbalism. So he understands 
what he's talking about and the health care that he's talking about from all those many perspectives. And he passes that on to his students and he uses that when he's work with, working with clients. So I really, I appreciate that multi-pronged approach or that diversity approach. So that's one of the pieces that I, I honestly, I really, really appreciate about him. Exactly. Um, I've had a chance to listen in on some of your uh, seminars you've taken with him and it's just Oh yeah. So amazing the, the amount of stuff he knows about. And that reminds me, he offered um, everybody who listens to the podcast the opportunity to take a free class with him. Wow. It's a webinar class on okay. herbal first aid. So the link for that will be in the show notes. All right. Yeah. So if you want your free seminar with KB Kalsa, um, that'll be in the show notes link. And uh, what, a, what an awesome thing he did. Yeah, it's a wonderful gift. Totally. Make sure to uh, enjoy that one and let us know what you learned. But hey, you know, we actually have a Herbal 101 question. All right. And this question is actually really, you know, a bit, it's a basic question, but it's an interesting one. And what's even going to be more funny is that you're going to hear my Minnesota accent come out when I ask this question. Not because I wanted to, but because it is ingrained into my speech patterns as from where I'm from in Minnesota. So here we go. Uh, and I'm going to probably make a mistake on this person's name, so I apologize going forward. So I'm going to believe it is this. So Vinan asks, what is the local name for Euridica dioica? Dioica. Dioica. <laughs> that, yeah, you sound that, so Minnesota. That is really a hard word. That pushes all my vowels, <laughs> my A's, my I's, my O's, you know. So, And it's not an easy word to say. No. Euridica, dioetica. Dioica. Dioica. See, yeah, there's no T in there. Yeah, I so, know. I always want to add a T. So, so that's not what we normally call that plant. No. What do we normally call that plant? That plant is usually called nettles or stinging nettles. It is also sometimes called the great stinger. The great stinger? Yeah, or the yes. stinger. We went herbling last spring and yes. I um my 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 tool fell in the bucket and I didn't put my gloves back on. Before you picked your tool and then out. I put my tool out and oh, yeah. got a stinger right Yes. <laughs> yes. Eritica dioic dioica. Eritica dioica. <laughs> the Euro <laughs> part of it. Fast. It's it's about burning. So eritica is is burning, so stinging. That's where the stinging comes from. And there's a second one, um, eritica urens, urens, which is small nettle, lesser nettle. Is that the one with the purple flowers? No, that's oh uh, no, nettle. that's dead nettle. It's oh, a different plant. Okay. Um, but the the stinging nettle and the small nettle are often mistaken for one another in the field, and they're both similar properties. One of them, I believe, I think this less smaller nettle has fewer stings to it. Oh, okay. But the stings come, the stingers are actually the trichomes, and they're um, uh, on the leaves and stems. On the underside. And the word trichome is probably like, familiar <laughs> to all of us <laughs> who live in cannabis-friendly states. Yes. Because if you're growing cannabis, the thing that you're looking for first is the trichomes, and the trichomes develop, and that's very exciting because buds will follow. And when buds follow, they have lots of trichomes. And the more trichomes, the more high. <laughs> you got really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But not all trichomes are built alike because obviously these stingers on nettle don't get you high at all. At all. No. I mean, they will raise your skin into welts and it'll make it like burn, but none of that's really like high in any way. I, I can't really think of how that you could even. So. Right. Anyway, that's what the stingers are from is trichomes. So the stingers in, in nettles contain formic acid, which is the same thing that like sting or the ants have in them. You know, the, the, oh, okay. uh, the ants when you. Fire ants? Not fire ants. No. Not fire. Well, oh, I don't. You mean like the sugar ants? Yeah, like sugar ants when you crush them and there's that horrible smell. That sweet kind of smell? Yeah, the sweet one or I think it's actually more of the one that smells like urine. Oh, okay. So like it's a uric a, acid. Yeah. Well, it's called formic acid oh, that they formic? have, but it smells. Oh. Okay. It smells. That's why they're sometimes called piss ants. <laughs> I was trying to avoid having to say that, but it's really it's <laughs> really a, is there really an ad called a pissant? Yes, there is. That is so funny to me. I my that was one of my dad's favorite. Yeah, come here, little pissant. I'm like, mm, what? Yeah, they're real. I just put two words together to the thing. I didn't know there was an actual. Yes. Wow. So look at that. So pissants are in no way the name that you would use for. Aritica dioica. Okay. You would say stinging nettles. You would say stinging nettles or nettles. Or nettles. Some places, like I said, the stinger. Nettle leaf, same thing. And one of the things I liked about this particular question is the fact that, you know, yeah, there are many names for this plant. Sometimes you have plants where the names are even, I mean, stinging, stinging nettle, the stinger, nettle leaf. They kind of all incorporate the same two words. Nettle and sting, right? Right. So if you're talking to one person and he calls it the stinger, and then you're talking to another person and she calls it nettle leaf, and and somebody else, third person, says stinging nettle, you kind of put it all together fairly easily, right? And it's important because in like one county it might be called the stinger, and in another county it might be just called nettle. And Obviously, nettle and stinger don't necessarily connect, although if you know that nettle is the stinging plant that burns, you might. Right. Knowing the Latin name for it or the botanical name for it, aritica dioica, helps you to make the connection across localities. Yeah. And when you leave, you know, for instance, North America and English-speaking territory, you're going to find even more different diversity of local names. So some of the other plants that I would thought illustrate that concept even better are things like the fly agaricus or fly agaric, which is a um, the mushroom that's mm -hmm. often featured in like Disney films. It's, it's got red a red top white, and white, 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 white warts, warts on, on it. it yeah. And that one is actually the Latin name for it is Amanita muscaria. And anywhere you go, you can call it Amanita muscaria, and people know what you're talking about. And in some places, you call it fly agaric. In other places, fly amanita. It's, you know, different right. names. It could be confusing, and that's one that would be bad to confuse. You, oh, totally. you want to know. Um, another one that I find frustrating, or did find frustrating when I was first learning, is that the viola species. Mm -hmm. There's wood violets and sweet violets and you read about how great these are for skin care and 
you know, making oils and, and they're really good spring foods. And locally, all I could find was pansies. Pansy doesn't sound anything like violets. No. It is a viola plant. I often wondered, I don't know, is is the violet they're talking about the same thing as pansies? I don't know. It's very confusing. And the reality is that they're both violas. One is viola tricolor. That would be the pansy, which are also called violets. So viola tricolor may be called pansy or may be called violet. And the other one is viola odorata. And that one could be called any version of something with the name violet. Sweet violet, wood violet, European violets, medicinal violets. Mm -hmm. And yes, they can be interchanged, but it took me a long time to figure that out because I was often talking to herbalists who would be talking about violas or violets. And I couldn't get a straight answer for a long time on whether pansies qualified or not. And then in addition to that, when you go to the garden centers, there are other plants that are not violas that are also sometimes called pansies. So knowing that viola tricolor or viola odorata is what you wanted is really important. So knowing the local names is helpful, but knowing the botanical name is safer. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I hope that cleared it up, Bynan, for all of the different names that nettle can have, but really the name that will keep you sane <laughs> is Eurydica dioica. That's then, better. Then That's better. Have, then you have stinging nettle. All right. So thank you. And so with that, put an put herb, herb on, on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials questions or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.